So we gathered on the eve of the appearance of the great Mukti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada. Tomorrow we'll be celebrating fasting in the morning and uh, be a phone class in the morning, discussion, questions and so forth, and then class in the evening about the great Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, some Mahima, some glorification of our great Acharya. So, tonight I wanted to just ask for questions, questions about our Sampradaya, our sect within the Sampradaya, or anything else that might be on anyone's mind regarding topics we've been discussing over the weeks. Lately we've been discussing Bhagavatam. Of course, we've celebrated the appearance of Nityananda Prabhu and Advaita Acharya, so there were interesting points raised there. We've studied Madhuri Kadambani pretty much from beginning to end since we've been here. Upadesh Amrit is being discussed uh, in the evenings regularly also. So, are there any questions? Yes, Mr. Sain. We've got to keep him here just for his questions. I just came up with a few minutes ago. I was just thinking, and, and it is related to everything you just mentioned. Um, uh, we all chant mantras. We have mantras we're initiated into, Hare Krishna mantra and other mantras. And we chant them out of duty. And once in a while, we get a little glimpse of a taste and we feel like, okay, now now I understand why I feel like I understand why I'm chanting this and you know, I feel like it's taking me somewhere. But at what stage are, and how do we get to that stage where that becomes steadily manifest so that when we chant, we're, you know, we, we get some real deep and steady attachment to the mantra. Mm-hmm. I guess that relates to our whole sampradaya and everything else. Sure, yeah. Well, of course, uh, you mentioned we get various mantras. So, first of all, there's the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra that we chant, and that is a Nam Mantra. It consists only of names. Hari, Ram, and Krishna in the vocative. So, Hare, Ram, and Krishna. And being a Nam mantra, there is no petition in the mantra for anything specific, any 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 um, detail. It is simply a exclamation, if you will. O Hari, O O Krishna, O Ram, and. This Nam, being non-different from Krishna, is completely independent. And to emphasize this point, Krishna is independent, so his name is independent. The idea is that he goes wherever he likes, and he may go even to the uninitiated. Therefore, he's independent of any ritual. Um... This holds true with Krishna Nam, and as we'll see, it holds true 
with Krishna mantras as well. Um, whereas, just to play that out for a moment, other mantras that, and this is stated in the sacred texts, that are not Krishna mantras, they require some kind of turning on, if you will, hmm? empowerment to have efficacy, but this is not the case with Krishna mantras, and certainly not with Krishna name, and not with Krishna mantras in as much as the mantras are made up of Krishna's names in the dative case rather than in the uh, vocative case. So they are a, a plea, a petition, if you will, uh, I offer myself to Krishna, to Govinda, to uh, Gopi Janabalavaya. Hmm? Uh, swaha in, uh, in in sacrifice and so forth. They're a petition. They're they're in pursuance of sharanagati. They're a pursuance of of submission, surrender. Hmm? Um, so before we go further into that, however, Krishna Nam. Although. Uh, and we can say as well, Krishna Mantra, though being independent, and to stress this point, it said they're independent of, of initiation, they can go wherever they like. Hmm? Still, they choose to, this is the idea, reveal themselves to those who receive them in the traditional way from the sadhus, and thus, by doing so, come under the uh, auspices of the sadhus and learn the proper... A, a behavior and decorum and, and, and whatnot that will be conducive to the uh, chanting of the mantra, as well as the, the underlying philosophical implications and so on and so forth. Hmm? So that will have much more efficacy hmm, than uh, receiving the mantra without um, such, out of a book or, or something like that. Um, and the mantra may, though independent, we stress the point that independent, independence means he may choose not to reveal himself. If we, in the course of pursuing the efficacy of the mantra, circumvent hmm, the system that Krishna himself has set up for the transmission of the mantra, the parampara, evam parampara praptam mam I set up this system for passing down this this transcendental knowledge. To circumvent that is um, to go against the very system that he set up, and it's to, it's to also uh, become implicated in a what, what is uh, considered a nam aparad. In other words. One of the nam operats or the offenses against the name is that one should not disrespect the guru. So, if one, for example, thinks, I don't need the guru, the mantra is independent, even of initiation, it's said in the texts, I'll just take the mantra, and all these gurus are problems anyway. Hmm. We were at the Yogi Falls today, pun intended. Uh, so, you know, therefore, why shall I, you know, 
risk putting myself in such hands. I'll go directly to Krishna. But as much as there may be misrepresentation in the realm of guru and parampara, is as much as there must be real representation as well. There cannot be misrepresentation unless there's something to misrepresent. So that should not be a cause for throwing out the, the whole system, making up one's own system. This will be a nam aparad, and so certainly the name will not reveal himself. Hmm? So when we receive the name with the blessing of the guru hmm, to chant and so forth, in our particular sect, formed largely by Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur under the inspiration of Bhakti Vinod Thakur and under the power also of Gorkishor Das Babaji Maharaj who blessed Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and, uh, and initiated him. Um, in our particular uh, system we see the Nam Mantra and the Diksha Mantra as two circles, one larger circle and the other a smaller circle within that circle. The larger circle is the Nam, and it means that it goes to the highest point and extends itself down also to the lowest point, to the unqualified persons. The smaller circle in there is the Diksha Mantra in the Valkatith case, and this mantra, it doesn't extend itself down to the lowest sector. It seeks some qualification brought about by Nam. And it also reaches its efficacy at a certain point and gives deference to Nam, which takes one the, the, dis, the further distance. Therefore, it's stated, for example, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the difference between the two, the Krishna Nam and Krishna Mantra. It said Krishna Mantra, Krishna, Krishna Nam, Krishna Mantra, Sangsara Mochan. And the Krishna Mantra gives liberation from material existence, Sangsara Mochan. And Krishna Nam gives Krishna Charan, the feet of Krishna. So the mantra comes to us at a certain point of purification that we may be able to begin to take advantage of it and at a certain point its efficacy has been reached and we can then, the idea is, chant the name effectively because it's transcendental fully. If the mantra takes us beyond samsara, material existence, then we can take advantage of the liberated nature of the name fully. So these two work together like this. They're both very um, important, and they fall. The, the sharing of the imp- the imparting of them falls under the jurisdiction of what we call sambandagyan. Sambandagyan is the knowledge of relationship or a course or conceptual orientation. So included within that, of course, is is the knowledge of my relationship with Krishna. There's theoretical sambandagyan and there's realized sambandagyan. So when the mantra reaches its efficacy, hmm, then that sambandha is, is realized and one's bhakti is fully informed hmm, 
and he or she can perform bhakti fully informed as of their what is their nature of their relationship with Krishna and then actively internally pursue that in the context context of nam kirtan and smaranam bhakti the great bhakti siddhanta saraswati Thakur wrote a very famous poem vaishnav k very much speaks about the nature of his propaganda. And one of the famous lines in there is, Kirtana Pravave Smarana Svabhave. By the Kirtana Pravave, by the force of Kirtan, the power of Kirtan, Smarana Svabhave, I w- we will meditate on, on our Svabhav, our eternal nature. Mm-hmm. Naturally, in due course, it will bring that about. Mm-hmm the eligibility, the, the, the ability, hmm? and so forth. This is the power of kirtan, to, con- to control the mind, to control the senses, and, and awaken in, in inner life. Hmm? Some persons would be fond of advocating smaranam for persons who could not even effectively do kirtan to the point of cleansing the heart. Without cleansing the heart, how can you sit? You have too many things to do, <laughs> or so you think, so many too many desires. So the mantra, of course, is smarnam. Hmm? And so again, it requires some qualification in order to be able to do uh, effectively. And, you know, different charges, gurus, and so forth, will make some determination about that, um, uh, their own uh, wisdom and so forth. I think that Prabhupada had a system of, you know, he would give the Harinam in six months or a year or something with recommendation, give the second mantra, the, the Diksha mantras and so forth. I mean, it doesn't mean that they were all automatically qualified to chant the mantras in such a way that they'd become absorbed in them and take advantage of it and so on and so forth. So that's a call by by the individual uh, charges. But point being that it requires some qualification in order to be able to take advantage of the mantra. Mm-hmm. And the extent to which we can't be absorbed in that and in, in the very least, uh, what I mean by that is, uh, what is the term? You know, mananam. You're chanting the mantra, you're not thinking about anything else. Maybe your intellect is active and you're thinking about the meaning of the words or something like that, so that your mind's not going to go here, there, and, and elsewhere. That's before real, real smarnam, after dhyan, real meditation. Um, um, but obviously, um, people get the mantra and they're not capable of doing that still. Um, that's a, they're blessed nonetheless, but they should put emphasis on kirtan, hmm? and uh, they should do their mantras as well. Like we here do our mantras at least twice a day after kirtan. Hmm? That should be a powerful spiritual uh, experience. One should not be a fence sitter in the kirtan. Hmm? course, one doesn't have to do breakdancing or something like that, which we've seen in some places. Or, but um, it's 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 not you know something you watch somebody else do and kind of hum along, you know. But uh, you 
want to get uh, absorbed, a little movement sometimes may be useful um, in in that regard. Um, so, uh, anyway, kirtan purifies us and enables us to take advantage of the holy of the of the mantra. I mean, Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta and our Guru Maharaj also was fond of the extended idea of kirtan that involved using the mind to think about ways to to attract the public, to open a you know a, a center in Samara or you know that kind of a thing. And we see Mitra Sain's always absorbed in thinking about go somewhere and attract people to kirtan, and this is very has very great potential to consume one, hmm? and um, thereby not allow the mind to go here, there, and everywhere. If we told uh, Mitra Sain just okay, welcome to Madhavan. Here's a tree. Sit there. Here's your beads. Just chant all day and night. That might be difficult, hmm? but if we tell them, you know, think of the ways and means to to uh, do something here that will attract the the public to, uh, to 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 Krishna consciousness. That could be very consuming. It's certainly a challenge to do it effectively. Hmm? And um, of course, full well and knowing that his uh, one's real ability to do so will be the proportionate dependent upon their dependent proportionally on their own internal purification as well. So we don't do outreach just to bring people. We reach out that we might be able to reach within that more deeply. And we reach within deeply and we find we have something to say. Hmm? And so we reach out to two complement one another. But at any rate, kirtan is then for everybody, and um, and it is the principal means for for qualifying us for taking the mantra. At what point the question is, is the mantra effectively um, chanted? The mantra is, is non different than the form of the Lord, as we heard in the Bhagavatam recently. Mm-hmm. It's not you know all the flowers don't blossom in the garden at the same time, right? So. Um, it depends on previous sukriti, previous involvement, uh, uh, offenses one may commit, uh, may, may uh, have committed in the past, and so forth and so on. But then again, at the same time, uh, Rupa Goswami has given some stages, right, of d- development in bhakti from initial shraddha up to prema, and uh, one of those is nishta, and this is. Uh, the point in which one's bhajan, one's practice, I mean by that, spiritual practice becomes steady hmm? and is the the lower modes of nature may still be in play, but they don't influence the sadhaka's bhakti. They can't get in the way. It's reached a, a, a certain pitch. Nasta prayeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati utamashvokya bhakti bhakti nashtaki tadara jastamo bhava kamalo badayasthaje cheta etaranabhidham stitam sattve prasidate. These verses speak to us about this kind of uh, development. So before reaching that, then, you know, even, even, even Vishnu Chakritakura's experiences, even up to Ruchi, which is after nishta, which means a taste for the for the practices for nam and so forth. 
that one's mind will be more predominantly influenced by material thinking than spiritual thinking. And in asakti, the balance will shift. That's the stage before one graduates from sadhana bhakti. That's a rather strong statement, but each person looks at these stages and bases it on their own experience. Hmm? They're they're very general. They're general. I mean, he has tried Vishwanath Chakritakur to make them more specific in his book Madhuri Kadambini, and we were certainly blessed by that effort on his part. Um, but he's speaking from his own experience, uh, no doubt as well. So, uh, at any rate, when you know this, this uh, proportionate to this shift, where material thoughts they might be just thoughts of my my maintenance, my what's to eat today or whatever, uh, is less predominant than my thoughts of what the Lord will eat today or something like that. To give it a contrast, um, then. Uh, in consideration of where that balances out, we're going to have an ability to concentrate, which is required for uh, effectively doing dhyana. I mean, you can't do meditation unless you're paying attention. You can do kirtan without paying attention. So, the power of kirtan. We can't pay attention, but we can do kirtan. And it may force us to pay attention, practically. You're standing there singing, and you know, you, you've got to start thinking, what am I doing here? You know? <laughs> Uh, am, I do, am I doing this? And, um, yeah. and uh, yes, I am doing this. And why am I doing this? And, okay, and, and so on. So it's very powerful. Um, but I would say that, that you know, there's, there's a certain point where this ability to take advantage of the name in, in Japa, for example, over Kirtan. Uh, kirtan, if you chant the name out loud on your beads, it's it's considered to be a limb of kirtan, an anga of kirtan. Although normally it's a dhyan, japa is a, is a, is a meditation. So you can do nam smarnam. Jiva Goswami is given a gradation. Nam smarnam leads to guna smarnam. Rupa smarnam leads to guna smarnam, leads to lila smarnam. Rupa means form, guna means qualities, lila means lila. Mm-hmm. And what is in the name? What's in the name? Hmm. Guna Rupa, Lila, Nam Nam. Hmm. Hmm. What does Vishnuvas Chakravartyakar say? She Radhika Madhava Yoga Para Madhurya Lila Guna Rupa Nam Nam. Hmm. Rupa Guna Lila Nam Nam. So the name first there's Nam Smarnam. So when you can effectively pay attention, hmm. and this in Bhakti Vinod's estimation is the crux between offensive and inoffensive chanting, attentive chanting. Mm-hmm. When the chanting becomes attentive, and what will help us become attentive in chanting? Well, a lot of philosophy will help us become attentive in chanting because we fill with thoughts of why we should be chanting, what what, what should be, uh, we be, should be preoccupied with, what we should not be preoccupied with, and so on and so forth. And Sadhu Sangha helps us, also protects us in that regard. So, um, so when... Uh, uh, when when you can actually pay attention, hmm, and you're coming to the point of being able to actually do nam smarnam effectively. If you can't pay attention, and you better maybe chant out, chant louder. It's gone a lot of the devotees would chant. How do not a good run out here? You know, like really possessed 
and uh, they were trying to you know wrestle with their their minds it, it appeared and uh, and so forth but uh, you know they were pretty adamant about it and they were pretty persistent about it and they were honest about it that they couldn't you know just sit there and meditate so they were walking around and you know so it becomes a limb of kirtan really but when you can make it effectively pay attention and so forth then it starts to move towards smarnam and there's so that there, there's some result in other words the, the senses have been calmed the mind has been harnessed and so forth and um, and and then, 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 then the external, like then kirtan, may become less part of one's life. Archan may become less part of one's life, as the as the deity, the universality of the deity becomes more apparent to the devotees. Not just in one place, hmm? and he's in every heart, and he's in my heart, and so on and so forth. Uh, um, so there's a, a, maybe a, a shift at a certain point. We certainly find that in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who set the example as the Krishna in his leela as an acharya. Gaur leela is the acharya leela of, of Krishna. So we see that he did widely send kirtan, propagating, and at a certain point the balance shifted. And he kept more quietly to himself with few people and his madness and so forth. So um, when does it happen? Uh, you know, it depends. Uh, it certainly it, it, it happens when you can pay attention. In an anishta bhajanakriya, when your 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 devotional practice is anishta, it's kind of up and down. Then it may happen sometimes. You may get some absorption, and especially in in, in good sangha and so forth. And you know, that opportunity, the mind becomes arrested by by that power of that. One gets some ability to concentrate and and taste the sweetness in the name or the evocation of the mantra and so forth. But coming to nishta, bhajana kriya, steady, then experience will be more consistent, more steady. It will come like, you know, you get it once. It's so wonderful, some little absorption. That's what carries the devotee so far. And at a certain point, it will come where you start to get absorbed, in in the, to the point that when you take rest at night, hmm, you wake up in the morning and you still, the sleep doesn't interfere with the absorption, hmm? Hmm? and you don't really kind of want to go to sleep, but you think that I have to rest my body, I have service to do, and so forth. And then it'll go like that for one, two, three days, for three days, and and everything's magic. Hmm? Everything makes sense. You can feel the whole order of life. Everything is happening for a reason, and I am just moving according to that reason. Hmm? And you meet people for the right reasons, and you understand why I'm meeting people, why why I'm where I am, and so forth. Then. And your karma, which isn't exhausted, hmm? now you're under the jurisdiction of the guru, as an initiated, you know, disciple and so forth. And so the karma is being managed, being dealt with. Hmm? But it comes and arrests us, and we can't get absorbed. And when suddenly, it kind of disappears, and it's just some words again, so to speak, or it's just some theology, rather than. An experience, 
Krishna becomes a theological person rather than a real person. Like this is palpable. That I could feel like he just might talk to me at any moment here. He did talk to me, and then he goes, "Mum." So, so then you know, for then then if devotee will want that again, we find this coming in Bhagavatam in the next chapter. Nard Krishna came and disappeared, so on a high level. So it'll happen on a lower level too. Then it'll come to the point where one can become absorbed for longer periods of time, for a week, for a month. Hmm? Still come out of out of that, so forth. So it's uh, it's a practice. Hmm? And you know, there's a, there's even a practice of samadhi, if you will, hmm? to stay there and and not not to come out. So I don't think there's any you know particular point in time. But if we were to look at the different stages, then what you're you're talking about, we would think would be more um, um, likely to occur in the stage of nishta, or in, in certainly in ruchi because ruchi one has a taste, right? So whenever he or she chants, there's there's a taste. Mm-hmm. And what's ruchi? Nadanam, nadjanam. Nasundurim Kavitamba. It, it's characterized by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when Shikshastakam. I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't want this, I don't want that. You've got a taste for all these things, so there's no taste for bhakti. When you have no taste for these things, in the context of bhakti, when that's come about, what's left? Taste for bhakti. So, much as we have a taste for all these other things, then we have to look at that pragmatic. We can't. We have to look. How to, then, how to deal with that? We're going to stand. I'm not at the stage of ruchi. I shouldn't give up. I think. Okay. Well, so I'm going to deal. I'm at a lower stage now. This is how I'll deal with that. And of course, we have a whole theology and philosophy for that. So it's kind of what we're doing, trying to keep ourselves in good association and with a supporting environment for our practices and so forth, where we get a glimpse into what these great gifts of our group Parampara are, these other gifts. Hmm? Krishna Nam, Krishna Mantra. Hmm? These are these are the real gifts of the, the Guru Parampara. Very uh, extraordinary. We can read about them of course, hear about them, what they are, what the efficacy is, what the implication is and so forth. In my commentary on Gopal Tapani Upanishad, I've, uh, there's a in the Purva Tapani, the beginning part. There's there's a, cons- a a Upanishad speaks considerably about the Gopal Mantra. I mean, it's 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 the Upanishad. It's kind of the sequel to the Isha Upanishad. Prabhupada wrote a commentary on Isha Upanishad, the God Upanishad, the Gopal Upanishad is kind of the sequel. It's like the Krishna, you know, it's about Krishna. God is more general, and now become more specific. So, so the mantra that corresponds, the the the, the most uh, the the um, how do you say the most prominent Krishna mantra from which all other Krishna mantras are derived is the eighteen syllable Gopal mantra, Krishnaya Govindaya Gopijanabala, like that. That's uh, the uh, Mantra then is described, explained in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, hmm? and so we've had a, a fairly elaborate uh, commentary there. That's uh, very u- would be very useful for anyone chanting the mantra 
to, to study. Hmm? Implication of the different words, the different names, um, what, where they, what, uh, you know, the implication of Govinda with regard to Rasa, Gopijanabalava, Krishna, because hmm? this mantra is telling you, giving you a relationship with Krishna. What is Swaha? <coughs> All these things very it's very useful uh, and helpful to um, be uh, aware of those kind I want to say kind of the meaning because you cannot put the meaning in words it's put in these syllables basically arrangement of Krishna Nam in the dative case Govindaya to Govinda to Krishnaya to Krishna to Gopi Janabalabaya Swaha, what, what does that mean? Hmm? Um, you know, it's really what it actually means you can't put into words. You can explain the word meanings and get some idea and so forth, but but by doing that, Swaha, to Govinda, to Krishna, to Gopijanabalava, then those names will take us in a particular way. One of them will become prominent, hmm? and, one, and the other two will become like aspects of Krishnaya. Krishna is an aspect of Govinda. Gopijanabalabha is an aspect of, of Krishna. Or Govinda and Krishna are aspects of my Gopijanabalabha, dependent upon the sentiment that one develops. Swaha, of course, this in the fullest sense, this is where Radha is represented in the, in the Gopal Mantra, the very personification of Sacrifice, in as much as love is, takes birth from the womb of sacrifice, and she is the Mahabhav Swarupini, the very personification, the very form of the highest love, the highest ecstasy. Hmm? So sacrifice is grounded in her, and in in, she's completely, you know, in every way, dedicated. She manifests as different gopis that have different that per, that that embody different aspects of herself so that there can be a, an embodiment of an aspect of herself that when Krishna wants to taste that hmm, that he can consort with that gopi this guy, so anyway so it's good to know something about them uh, but of course they will be known by by chanting then again without some bandhagyan some theoretical knowledge it's hard for people to take advantage so so with all these things in time, and we can come to the point of that the mantra will will ri- it rises like like the moon rises in different phases and reveals itself significance and its significance to you will be different than its significance to someone else. In the very least, in some nuanced way, there are going to be basic similarities. It will arise within you as a, as a friend of Krishna or as a lover of Krishna. Within the context of that, each one is an individual as well. So it's and then see as this comes to the fore, what is liberation in bhakti? Mukti hitvanita rupam swarupena vivastiti. When I said when Chaitanya Charitamrita says Krishna mantra gives us sansar mochan. Sansar mochan means deliverance from samsara. But what is the bhakti idea 
of deliverance from samsara. Mukti is a word that we kind of don't like. Sarva Bhattacharya plugged his ears after his conversion. He read a verse in the Bhagavatam, Jiveta yu mukti pade sadaya bhak. He crossed out the word mukti and wrote in bhakti. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you can't change the Bhagavatam. Hmm? He was a, a scholar, of course, uh, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. Hmm? He had criticized his brother-in-law, Gopinathacharya, previously for being sentimental because he was reading something into the text that Chaitanya was God and the Gali Yuga Avatar. And, you know, okay, you, know, you feel like that, but I don't see that clearly in the text. And, so, and here he is later on after his conversion, changing the text. <laughs> his sentiment is, we want that kind of sentiment, but Mahaprabhu appreciated it, but said, you can't change the Bhagavatam. You know, so think of it like this, Muktipade, it says. It means Mukti at the feet of Krishna, not independently of that. Hmm? So Bhagavatam, there are ten subjects. One of them is Mukti. Hmm? And it's described in the second canto, tenth chapter. Muktirhitvanatarupam svarupena vibastiti. It's twofold. Muktirhitvanatarupam. It removes the negative influence of samsara. And svarupena vibastiti. It acquaints one with one's real nature, one's swarup, hmm? one's potential in connection with bhakti. So acquainted with that, this is asakti entering into bhava-bhakti. Bhava-bhakti means liberated. So, samsara mochan has been affected. Hmm? Now Krishna Nam, still he may chant a mantra to set an example for others, but Krishna Nam then can fully be taken advantage of. Krishna Nam is Krishna. He's transcendental. You've just reached the transcendental position Mm-hmm. And we find that, well, it's not an empty room, right? There's Krishna there, and he's not alone for that matter. And so you're trying to function in that room, in that house of bhakti. You're, 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 so that's Baba Bhakti. And the chanting of Krishna, Krishna Nam, the names, the favorite names of the devotee, the names that will be, will speak about. The na- something about the nature of their relationship with Krishna. Of course, it could be Krishna and Hari and so forth, but those kind of names, the favorite names, the names that are dear, become dear to him, hmm, that devotee. And uh, and then, and Smarnam, we find this in Brihad Bhagavatamrita. He's meditating on the sarup, on the power of the kirtan. The kirtan is energizing that meditation and so forth, and this is a co-cultivation in, um, in Bhava Bhakti, to kind of enter into that realm. One glimpses the Leela and comes out and has an identity there, tries to step out of this identity, of the material identity, and into that identity. So that's the higher stages of Bhakti, of course, but that, that's where, where the mantra's efficacy has been reached. Hmm. So you want to get somewhere in between there, you know, the higher stages of sadhana, then then the, the fact that these mantras are gifts be, it can be appreciated, really appreciated. Some devotees, they stop chanting the mantra, you know, thinking, well, you know, I'm not a Brahmin or something. This is a misunderstanding. 
Uh, these are these are diksha mantras for Vaishnavas, which we give the the Brahma Gayatri too. But Brahma Gayatri is also extremely Gaudiya. <laughs> Some people question Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati talk why he's giving the Brahma Gayatri. What's that? Hmm? But if you study Paramatma Sandarbha, Tatva Sandarbha, you understand. Study Srimad Bhagavatam, Gayatri Vasya Rupo So. Hmm? Here it is. 18,000 verses. What's it about? Gayatri Vasya. It's a Vasya, it's a commentary on Gayatri, the meaning of Gayatri. That means Brahma Gayatri. Om Bhu Bhuva Swa. So he has nothing to do with people to object like some other sects of Gaudias. Why he's giving this? What does that have to do with? What, we think we think. Well, what have you What have you understood? Bhagavatam is commentary on Gayatri Mantra. This is the flute sound of Krishna. Hmm? You know, well, calm Gayatri. Well, what is What is What is calm Gayatri then? Kamdhrayatri is telling us specifically what is there in more general terms in, in Brahmagayatri, for that matter. Hmm? Of course, that's according to the Puranas, where Gayatri Devi takes birth as Kamgayatri <laughs> in order to be participate in Krishna's uh, Rasalila. Hmm? So anyway, these are nice stories hmm? from the Puranas, important points to be uh, drawn from them, mm. but in the higher stages, as I say, of sun, and then that these are these are gifts. Uh, you know, guru may give them earlier, no doubt, and they help us. But we should at least understand the philosophy. Always respect the mantra mm. and the commitment to chanting and so forth, unless service calls. Otherwise, they interfere with that, and it can be overridden. But if out of negligence we don't chant, then that's not going to help us. That can hinder us. Yes, this is a, so. Regardless of one's ability, then to focus and say, "Well, we should try, hmm. try." And of course, you know, we 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 chant. We we've been instructed in our sect to chant our diksha mantras three times a day. So it's like morning, noon, and night. It means you got to you got to pause and think, "What am I doing here?" Hmm. Morning, noon, night. And they have great, there's great power in that, especially having, you know, if one has received it, as I said in the beginning, from the Guru Parampara. They are alive. And so when they're independent, so they reveal themselves when they, when they choose. Our position is to try to position ourselves in such a way that they might be inclined to do so. And so this is the kind of lifestyle that's very conducive to that. You get together, morning, evening, kirtan, regime of, you know, nam, nam smarnam, japa, and so forth, offering the food to the beautiful Daoji Gopal. Aren't they beautiful today? Mm-hmm. So nice. <laughs> Does that help? Yeah, Pay attention. And that's all I can do in the meantime. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but I did recommend hearing things, also, you know, and that, that that's a that's a very powerful form of paying attention, actually. 
pay attention to the, to the philosophical underpinning of the practice is a very practical way of paying attention because you find that what it does, it really kind of corners you, like, okay, and that's what's going to be on your mind and so forth, though, if you, you study and and also, um, that's that's very, very powerful. That's a form of paying attention, if you will, to what you're doing. And there's that's why Prabhupada would say, I wrote these 60 books, they should be read, you know, they should be studied, sit down like scientists and study them, and that kind of thing, which means that they have new, new meaning to them, and the more you look at them, and, you know, like, like Prabhupada about Bhagavad Gita, for example, someone... Um, or was it, um, was I think Hayagriva, Prabhupada asked Hayagriva, what book should I write next? And uh, he said, I don't know, Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, I'm thinking maybe Bhagavad Gita, commentary on Bhagavad Gita. Hayagriva said, um, Prabhupada, uh, you already wrote that one, so <laughs> there can be so many commentaries. Bhaktivinotaka wrote personally wrote two commentaries on Bhagavad Gita. So they, uh, they. I'm I'm embarrassed by my Bhagavad Gita. Slightly, I did have some value, but I'm embarrassed. I think now of what what I would have said if I could do another edition of the Gita. There's some I've just oh, so many things I can didn't say and that now have understood and so forth. So we want this kind of ongoing. Mm-hmm. That's what Krishna says in the Gita. That's how the Gita, one of the concluding statements of the Gita. Mm-hmm. One that repeats this, very and you study what he says there again and again from different angles, looking at it, studying the word meaning and everything. Mm-hmm. This person is blessed. Mm-hmm. So... And Prabhupada, does the say himself, he used to say, we have 60 books, you know, but they're not just for selling. <laughs> so they're for studying. And the books, yeah, they are very... Some people like to say, well, you know, we've got Prabhupada's books, so we don't need anything else. And on my point, why don't you read them? You know, a fellow told me once, this was years ago, he said, you know, I was thinking of getting initiated, but then, then I had a, you know, a dream. I said, "Really? What happened in the dream?" He said, "Well, in the dream, I was in a room and Prabhupada came in, and all of his books were on the shelf. And Prabhupada came in the room and he looked at me and he said, just read my books.' And so I said, "Well, did you read them?" <laughs> all the answers are there. Yeah. I mean, when I read Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita, when I first started reading Prabhupada's books, the first thing I thought, I've got to find a guru. You know? That's just the first thing. I didn't start to think, well, maybe it's him, you know, but uh, that came pretty quickly thereafter. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's a sign of good health when thinks they need help on such a huge you know, journey. <laughs> I mean, you know, we 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 the the term guru is is everywhere in the corporate world, even you know, as a matter of principle, hmm? somebody is a guru. He really knows, you know, 
JavaScript or something, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know. Um, so it, it certainly carries to, if it, if, it, if it carries over into material perfection, certainly in terms of the ultimate perfection, it's such an important principle. Hmm. So what else? Yes. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that description you gave before of the absorption, because I was surprised to hear that residual karma is still more powerful than the name that somebody can chant being so close that he can stay in that state for three days and fall asleep and still be absorbed. So I guess it's not true now. Three days out of a month is, is not the greater balance of 30 days. It still sounds like residual karma is more powerful at that point. I think that Vishwanath uh, Chakravati Thakur, he gives some analysis of the influence of anarthas as a result of good and bad karma. Anarthas as a result of offense, anarthas as a result of that arise in the context of bhakti, like weeds might grow when watering the plant, hmm? and the different stages at which they become partially removed, uh, completely removed, and absolutely removed, and so on. So there may be different of those. There may be those three influences that cause that that affect one in such a way that they cannot be fully absorbed hmm? even in the stages of uh, say say Ruchi hmm? I forget exactly what his formula was for um, that the threefold you know how you say obstacles and three degrees I think he gives three or four degrees of remo- of their removal their retirement um, but again, I was relating to you Vishwanath Chakravarti's uh, experience. I found it hard to relate to personally. The idea that Naruchi, there, there's a greater balance of material thought than there is of spiritual thought. But he does make that statement at the. I think, I think he does at the end of his book. Maybe the commentator was was. I don't remember now, but I have to look it up. But there, as I say, there's threefold reason for not becoming absorbed. Mm -hmm. With regard to an artist. Mm 